you're listening to the Ether Review, a talk show passing the components of the Ethereum global computing platform and its ecosystem. Building on a basic knowledge of the blockchain, we seek to understand the mechanics behind this new generation computing network and the services it powers. Christopher David, founder of the transportation network Arcade City, came on the show today to discuss his project. Arcade City aims ultimately to be owned by the drivers themselves using a suite of technologies built on our favourite platform. It was interesting to hear the complaints many drivers had about incumbent Uber and how this has turned into grassroots support for Arcade City. It's also interesting to see a single use case employ so many technologies. It's a taste of things to come. I'll let Chris give you the details. Chris, how's it going? Arthur, great. How are you? Fantastic. Great to talk to you. Is my audio okay? Yeah, sounds fantastic. So, Chris, could you introduce yourself and uh, and explain what your uh, what your interest in Ethereum is and what you've been doing at Arcade City? Sure. My name is Christopher David. I'm a former Uber driver. I drove for Uber about uh, five months last year. And I've uh, been following Bitcoin since 2012 and been a self-taught web developer and kind of part-time web developer and uh, driving for Uber the other part of the time last year. And been kind of toying with the idea of um, or kind of had visions as I'm driving for Uber and, and kind of chafing against their some of their limitations and, and how they're you know, structuring it as a, as a corporation. I'm thinking, you know, we could redo this as a decentralized uh, entity we could uh, build this as a, a decentralized uber and and what would that look like and so I, like dreaming about that as I, as I was driving for uber got into some interesting kind of legal issues uh, here in Portsmouth New Hampshire um, driving on behalf of uber and came to organize a bunch of drivers um, kind of pushing back against some of the local regulations that made it really hard to be a rideshare in Portsmouth and and kind of thinking, you know, it would be awesome if there was a way for drivers and riders to connect peer-to-peer and not need to worry about local regulations, about some far-distant corporation slashing their rates um, if they didn't want to. And um, been, you know, kind of following Ethereum and and be decided to, to get started right away on the idea of uh, building some kind of alternative to Uber. Uh, when I realized that while we were kind of in the streets actively organizing on on Uber's behalf in defense of consumer choice here in Portsmouth, Uber was actually lobbying our state capital to restrict consumer choice and pass this Uber model legislation that basically encodes their business model into law, um, setting these you know very high minimums for insurance coverage and and you know just kind of. Uh, putting into law the, a model that um, defines a TNC as basically Uber and anyone who might come along later with a little different model is going to be severely disadvantaged. So, so we, when you said TNC, could you, uh, could you explain that, um, that acronym? 
Sure. So TNC uh, Transportation Network Company is um, the current accepted legal definition of uh, Uber style companies in the U.S. It beca- that kind of grew out of California a few years ago. And, um, you know, when Uber started out, they were in kind of a, a legal gray area um, as they were kind of bridging, you know, personal use of vehicles, but for kind of commercial purposes, part time and and uh, um, over time, this this legal definition developed, and that's been you know making its way into uh, legislatures have uh, around the country and around the world have um, been passing uh, legislation, kind of encoding this. Um, and so that that's a good step, you know, that's a good step in that people are starting to recognize that there's a market here. Um, you know, Uber has kind of taken advantage of that to you know they've got Uber has I think more lobbyists than any entity in the entire country. I've read that somewhere. But um, yeah, Uber Uber tried to pass that legislation here in the state and realized that, hey, you know, they're trying to rig this market in their favor. It would be great to start a competing service now and kind of do something a little better than, than they do. And the big thing that we wanted to experiment with was letting drivers set their own rates. This became more of an urgent concern after January 8th in the aftermath of these uh, rate cuts where Uber um, on January 8th and then Lyft followed suit on January 10th. They slashed rates in, you know, 100 cities and they do this in the winter for, you know, uh, to be, I guess, competitive for pricing because there's lower demand because of the weather. But the, the problem with that is you have some drivers that are working 40 to 50 hours per week. And they're making maybe let's say thousand twelve hundred dollars um, per week in in pre tax take home pay. Uh, to have that decimated by up to forty percent overnight with no warning um, has a lot of drivers up in arms uh, and furious at, at Uber that they kind of had the rug just pulled out from under them. And and so many drivers, you know, they they complain and they protest. And they, you know, there's it was all this, you know, these headlines about these protests and and you know demonstrations in front of Uber headquarters and stuff like that. And, and kind of the point that we've been making to people is, guys, if you're angry about this, you know, don't get mad, get even. Help us build a competing service where that dynamic of a centralized management of pricing is not even part of the equation at all. We're going to decentralize that pricing decision down to the level of the rider and the driver, let you guys set your own rates, let you build up your own recurring customer base, which Uber does not encourage you to do at all. They don't want you going outside of the app. They, it's not at all, it does not at all lend itself to a driver becoming entrepreneurial. And maybe taking advantage of other opportunities that they see in their local market, like maybe deliveries, like maybe roadside assistance. There's all sorts of other kind of supplementary uh, services drivers could add in the course of uh, doing their job that Uber does not offer any support for. So that idea, you know, was powerful enough of an idea that we said, you know, I, let's start on this immediately. And the, the very simple app that we um, built earlier this year and launched to the the the, the Play and um, uh, Apple stores was just a simple, you know, kind of conventional Angular MVP app that allowed simple um, ride requests and that kind of thing. It let us 
kind of get out of the door with something. But I, I knew that this more decentralized way of, of structuring a rideshare startup uh, lends itself exactly to the kind of peer-to-peer vision of Ethereum. Um, I know that I wanted to have this be, you know, not just decentralized where we're, we're kind of more empowering drivers, but I, I see this as a, you know, a potentially, you know, long-term kind of that a global network of, uh, you know, a global platform for any peer-to-peer transactions where logistics are going to be involved. Uh, we would have to solve very real um, considerations of identity and reputation and payments, and we'd have to answer questions about ownership. And, you know, even though in the short term we're focused on, you know, kind of more of your conventional style insurance, very interested to look into alternative ways of handling insurance. And can we handle that on the blockchain? And can we look into these, uh, you know, know, the cutting edge thinking about risk pools and, you know, what are drivers going to be comfortable with and how can we make those numbers work? And so there's, you know, there's a lot of, lot of like really intriguing uh, questions and issues to solve that we want to solve these these uh, issues in the context of Ethereum, if we can. Um, that's that's not all something that we're going to be able to just kind of sit here and 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 map out how everything is going to look in one fell swoop. But we are intent on kind of component by component looking at what pieces of a ride sharing startup does it make the most sense for us to start pulling over into the context of Ethereum. Uh, and now, you know, we, we were kind of saying that, you know, we're going to begin Ethereum integration in the st- spring. We've actually just started integrating it recently. And, and what that looks like now is starting to wrap our heads around, okay, who currently is solving for identity? The identity piece we want to get first, that's kind of the first building block on top of which we can then build our reputation system. The reputation and rating system uh, is going to be, you know, one of the most important things that we build. Um, and that's something that, you know, top of mind seems to lend itself really well toward Ethereum, where there's going to be all sorts of rules that govern the reputation system. And, and we're going to have a pretty complex way of rewarding driver and rider behavior, assigning point values to various actions on the network uh, and allowing drivers and riders to level up their profile. So everyone will start at level one. And then based on how much experience points that you gain through giving rides that are well-reviewed, you're going to gain experience points and then you'll be able to unlock other perks as you level up. Maybe there'll be additional referral commissions or you'll get your payment sooner or there's other things that you can unlock. So we'll, we'll add some of those things later. But um, yeah, we're, we're, the, the rules that, that would go into that make sense to be encoded as smart contracts and um, be transparent about how we are weighting different actions and have that be something that is not just transparent, but also, you know, subject to being edited by uh, drivers. If let's say there's um, uh, an agreement among drivers that, hey, you know, we find that there's a number of, um, you know, so, you know, 10% of first time or a higher than average uh, percentage of first-time riders don't really understand the platform and are giving negative reviews to their drivers, even though it might be a good ride. 
um, and we should probably weight that uh, instance of a first-time rider giving a negative review a little bit less. So instead of it taking off, you know, 100 XP, it should only take off 75 XP. Okay. So then there can be a process for, um, you know, having a, a, you know, let's say 80% of drivers agree and then, you know, 10% of moderate or, uh, you know, to 10 out of 15 moderators agree. And then that becomes, um, you know, the, the newly updated contract and that goes out and everyone can see and, you know, scores get edited and stuff. Obviously that lends itself then to questions of, of, um, governance and consensus and, you know, if we're running a, you know, a large organization of, of non-technical drivers, but who are going to be very interested in kind of the rules, uh, how should we structure things um, to make sure that, you know, the drivers aren't, aren't gaming the system for their own benefit, but there can be a, um, you know, kind of a, a learning, the organization can learn over time and be reflective of kind of what's going to work best in the market. We are in love with the idea of doing this as a or, or pulling in as many components of a decentralized autonomous organization and have as much of this run kind of in pure Ethereum and, and uh, be decentralized out uh, as possible. Um, you know, I will admit that I am not a, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a da- only a dabbler in, in Ethereum development so far and um, still relatively new to actually thinking through building a distributed organization and in need of, of help and, and, and feedback on kind of how is the best way to structure these things and how is the best way to, to actually integrate these things in practice. But we, we're, we're happy that so far we have a, a user base that's willing to uh, test these things out and, and, and embraces the idea of, of integrating this technology to have things be a bit more uh, decentralized and increasingly decentralized over time. So you know, in the process now of kind of looking to see, all right, who's doing what in terms of identity? Do we want to go, you know, some people are doing some interesting things on the Bitcoin blockchain with, with um, block stack DNS type things. And then, you know, I want to, you know, the next thing we need to figure out is I know that, you know, the consensus folks are doing some things with Uport. And so I want to see if there's that's something that we can plug into or, or build on in the, in the near term. But we need to figure out something for identity. That's going to be the beginning, the build, beginning building block for us uh, for our reputation system. Our goal is to deliver a um, proof of concept of the um, Ethereum-based reputation system by the end of April. And depending on how that goes, we'll either you know switch that into our live environment you know in May, or if we see that we you know we need to kind of develop things out a little bit further, or we want to build a few other things into it, but. You know, we're going to keep looking component by component at what things we can and should decentralize and, and put into the Ethereum blockchain. And we'll take things a step at a time, a day at a time. But my, my speculation is that the, um, you know, the increase in, in performance and margins that we're going to have not needing to manage these things centrally, the more that we can um, get buy-in from people outside of, you know, quote-unquote Arcade City and have other people say, see, oh, look at these guys over here. Like they're actually building out like a real world business use case for reputation that's going to help us ground some of these very potentially abstract considerations and and okay we have like a, a user base that we can test on let's let's try this and see how this works um so we're, we're we're approaching it very much from a experimentation um point of view but we're really excited to see how everything's been going so far with the ethereum so you mentioned a user base and i'm glad you brought that up how did you how many uh drivers have you onboarded uh, we've had about 3,000 sign up 
which is kind of too much uh, <laughs> at this stage. Um, our goal um, for January, when we like first kind of, we did like a, you know, little soft launch in Portsmouth with not a completed app, just kind of like a basic uh, ride reservation service that we just kind of tested out, you know, with, with 10 drivers to testing out some, you know, we had a, a new kind of payment model we wanted to test out and some other things. Um, you know, our goal was to recruit a hundred drivers for, by the end of January to help test the app. We were thinking of launching in, in, you know, two or three cities and just kind of growing slowly. Uh, but then, you know, we announced that goal on January 6th and then on January 8th, the, the rate cuts came and then, you know, we signed up, we we're signing up a hundred drivers per day and had to like shut the process down when we hit 1800. And then, you know, so we, we, we just been so far kind of scrambling to keep on top of just the level of, of inbound interest that we've received, uh, which is great and humbling and, you know, kind of, you know, a little bit of a, um, you know, sobering to, to see that there's a lot, a lot, a lot of drivers that are at now actually actively hoping that we can turn this into a genuine alternative for Uber. Um, and just some of the, you know, people who've reached out to us, uh, you know, since starting this, um, the, the ideas and the, 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 the vibrant community that we've built over the past two months has been, uh, you know, really encouraging to us and making us think that we can, uh, we can, we can do that. I mean, on a, on a budget of nothing, we already uh, were, we're making news. We just made news in Corpus Christi, Texas. And, and last month in, in Midland, Texas, you know, these, all these news stories there about how Uber and Lyft were pulling out of these cities because of some local regulations. And like in the same stories where they talk about Uber and Lyft pulling out, they talk about Arcade City coming in because there's some drivers who we just happen to have in the area that like jump into the void, are going, micing up business cards, going to bars, promoting themselves. And, you know, we've told people, look, you know, this is a decentralized swarm. We have no budget, but if you guys want riders, you know, go promote yourself. This is an entrepreneurial thing. You know, you, you can go build your own client base now. So we had we had people, we had drivers actively building up clientele even before we launched an actual app. We, they, they made like a Facebook group, and they were just doing the the you know ride promotion in the Facebook group, and just really embracing that concept of peer to peer means you don't need to wait for headquarters to like do so for you. Yes, we're gonna like build an app, and we're gonna like add these, these features and stuff that's going to make it easier for you. But, but, you know, we're, we want to reward the hustler and, and the, you know, we got people out there that are making, you know, six, $700 a week and not paying any fees to anyone because they're just kind of doing this, doing this themselves. So we're, we're established in, you know, we're in, we've got drivers in, uh, actively giving rides in, in 27 States and counting. We've got people in Australia. We've got people messaging in that they want to help us launch in Mexico and Sweden and Canada and just when are you launching in Dubai and just like there's just so much interest now and it's like all right you know we've got we've got a team of people now um, coordinating translations we we just took translations where the app is now available in Spanish and Russian and Swedish cuz people are just emailing in with translations so we're 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 the the phrase that comes to mind is we are um like an airplane taking off while affixing the wings uh we we are are kind of drowning in the inbound interest, which are, which are good problems to have, but, but we're, we, we are um, fueled by the urgency of knowing that there are 
thousands and, and tens and hundreds of thousands of drivers around the world that are, if they knew about this, would, be, would, would switch in a heartbeat if they knew that they could make comparable or even more money than Uber and not need to be, you know, kind of Uber's, be, be slave to Uber's rate cuts whenever they decide that they need to, um, you know, slash fares in order to, I don't know, hit their revenue targets on track to IPO. Like this is, the having it be peer-to-peer allows drivers to be really be selfish and, and, and build this for themselves and build something for themselves. And, and you know, that that means that we're doing our job well if people are, you know, excited to build up that, those peer-to-peer transactions. What's the roadmap for driver ownership? We know that we want to, the, the kind of soft target for decentralizing this entirely is 2020. What that's probably going to look like is, you know, there, there, there's a couple ways that we could do that, and we're still not clear on on exactly how to do it. There's a there's a new um, ride sharing startup uh, based out of New York called Juno, um, and they've they're doing more of the Uber conventional Uber style startup, um, and their whole differentiator is that they're being friendlier to drivers. They're allowing drivers to keep uh, 90%, which is the same number we had kind of stumbled on initially. Uh, they're allowing drivers to have the option to upgrade from independent contractors to employee if they want more of those legal protections. And they're giving equity shares to drivers and having it like, you know, be vested over a number of years. And by the year 2026, drivers are going to own 50% of the company in kind of your like more traditional equity sense. So that would be that would be one way to structure it, and and if we don't don't figure anything else out, and we we wanted to kind of have the driver ownership, that's a model that we could emulate. Now I'm quite sure that this concept of uh, crypto equity and token based financing is going to be something that lends itself really well to allowing drivers to own the company or, you know, at some point it, it company might not even be the right word. It's we're building a network that will have, you know, APIs that people can plug into. And our goal is for there to be a um, token that is kind of currency of the realm um, for this network. And are being called Arcade City, the very um, you know easy uh, name for that token is of course going to be Arcade Token because you go to the arcade and what's the first thing you need to do before you play any games? You buy Arcade Tokens. So for now, you know we're we're we have credit card payments available through the app, and um, you know we're gonna we're integrating with the payment processor Stripe, so that'll allow us to we gotta, can flip on the bit, Bitcoin. So people can pay in Bitcoin, but you know, for the peer-to-peer rise, people can pay in, in in barter or Bitcoin or whatever they want to contract privately in. But our, our goal is to incentivize the use of this token. Now, we haven't issued this yet, and we're still really looking at how we want to structure that and when it makes sense to roll this out. But what we're envisioning is um, partly to kind of get around the whole like, you know, credit card payments and the 2.9% plus 20, you know, we don't want to be paying those fees 
And it would be great if there was really an internal currency where we have um, drivers and riders actually happy to use arcade tokens to pay for rides. Now, why is a driver going to be happy to pay to take arcade tokens? Well, if they are wanting to cash those out to dollars, there's going to be an exchange rate and an easy way for them to do that. And, you know, hopefully down the road, there'll probably be like exchanges where arcade token is listed on. Uh, or, you know, if like in the beginning there isn't that, then maybe we set the exchange rate and people can, you know, sell us their tokens at 30 cents on the dollar. I, I, I don't know how, how to kind of set that up initially, but, but we want there, there to be arcade tokens because if we can get a lot of the transactions, if we can get kind of most of the transactions throughout the network being run on arcade tokens, and arcade tokens is is both the unit of um, trade where a rider and a driver, or or generally a service provider and the you know service consumer are transacting in the arcade token. If a driver is such you know feels such that you know they're they're making enough money um, with this that they're able to save or hold on to half of what comes in every week to them as income and have them be incentivized and want to hold on to those arcade tokens because they they suspect that the value in that token is going to continue to rise over time i think that that sounds like and and i i not i'm not up on completely all of the dynamics of like crowd sale and and, and crypto equity and all this stuff and and it seems like that that's an idea to kind of think through and, and workshop in terms of how to make that kind of have, make, make all the numbers work. But, but if you envision that over time, various governance components uh, or governance decisions regarding, you know, how smart contracts governing the reputation system are going to be edited and eventually other things like, I don't know, areas that we decide to grow into or advertising and marketing costs, let's say more and more over time, more and more of these functions can be subject to, you know, consensus uh, decision making where um, the people with the most arcade tokens are going to be able to vote, you know, with the voting weight proportional to how many tokens they have or something where, you know, the token holders themselves are, are, governing more and more of the network over time and you know if 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 the tokens are um going along with kind of you know the ability to govern and make decisions in in this network that is going to continue to grow and add new you know add new users and add new you know industries that that we plug into in terms of um you know if you're building a distributed logistics network there's all sorts of other opportunities other than ride sharing that can use these same systems of reputation and stuff. So, you know, this is going to potentially expand, you know, quite, quite widely. Um, I think it's no, no stretch to imagine that the, that token is going to rise in value over time, that this is going to be uh, something that drivers are going to want kind of uh, to hold on to for the long term drivers and other people who just, you know, see the value in, in what we're doing. Hey, so this is what you're aspiring to. What is the state of of Arcade City right now. I mean, and, and it sounds to me like you've got a great app that matches people with cars with people who want to pay for a ride. It seems like 
this is the uh, this is a kind of perfect simplification of what Uber is doing. Yeah, Uber is kind of where we wanted to start with. Um, you know, I, I great respect for the guys at Lazoo's and what they've done with kind of innovating this proof of movement token and um, you know doing some interesting things on thoughts on how to build a, a ride sharing entity completely on the blockchain. And um, we we saw an advantage to starting more kind of in the mainstream, solving for what uh, rideshare drivers and customers are expecting right now in terms of a ride-sharing app. So building, you know, kind of as much of Uber's model as uh, we can, uh, factoring in legalities and just that we're bootstrapping this and we can't, um, you know, yet afford insurance for folks. Um, but But starting from there, and, you know, just kind of having the, the differentiators being the more, you know, driver-friendly uh, decentralization of the, the pricing decision. But we, we want to start there because that's where the energy and the interest is. Um, and that's where, you know, certainly there's a lot of driver interest as well as media interest. And it's been kind of effortless getting a lot, a lot, a lot of media attention, which is going to help us get established as a company and start to get even more exposure around these ideas of um, decentralization. And where we're at now is kind of like, all right, we, we, we now have something established where we've got our processes kind of built to the point that we're confident being able to take in, you know, a lot of inbound interest from drivers and riders and get that kind of sorted. Now the next piece is, all right, what is our specific development timetable going to be for integrating parts of Ethereum uh, into uh, into our business model? And does it make sense for us to build the reputation, the live reputation system, um, the first version of that in Ethereum? Or should we build that in more of the traditional client server? Uh, because we either don't think that either, you know, the Ethereum ecosystem uh, or the Ethereum platform is is ready, or we don't think that we are ready. Like we don't have the, I don't know, developer capacity or the the resources to justify taking the time to learn learn up on these things, and we need to kind of kick the can down the road on that. Uh, but we're I'm I'm hoping, and we are you know gunning toward uh, integrating more of Ethereum in the short term as we can. Uh, beginning with I think the reputation system is a logical uh, logical piece, but we're we're in the process of uh, we're brought on one. We're, we're in the process of, of bringing on some uh, blockchain minded developers who can help be a little bit more, um, you know, specific. Help us specify um, what what integrations need to look like in the short term. But but yeah, look, looking at in the short term, um, um, starting with this proof of concept for the reputation system, and there might be other things. Uh, shortly after that, but we we actually do want to figure out the um, this this kind of crypto equity financing model and the tokens. We want to figure that out sooner than later because we're, we're also coming up now again. You know, we've been you know kind of bootstrapping this um, this, and we're we're at the point now where we like, all right, we got to pay our developers uh, and and we got to you know get some money in here. So we're we're you know we've had some inbound interest from kind of your more conventional angel investor types. And we we're, we're not yet sure how to articulate that kind of business case of, of you know, here's why you should invest, because I, 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 I strongly lean against the standard exits of, of an IPO or a sale to a larger entity. I really see this as becoming a, you know, the equivalent of a kind of a public utility and being something that's, you know, that just this, this DAO network that, that I, you know, I, I, I like that token model. 
Uh, um, and I think that's going to address our needs if we can figure it out and, and have to have it be like, you know, feel confident that the numbers are going to work out. So we're, we're, we're right now just kind of asking the Ethereum community for feedback or, or other people who have structured crowd sales. And we're, you know, we're, we're talking with some people, uh, individually and, and generally now wanting to kind of open that up, uh, to, I don't know, the Reddit threat forums or whatever, if folks have any kind of, uh, Thinking on 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 what what kind of uh, structure they think would potentially make sense, or at least kind of what would have them excited to be involved with this as a participant, or what would make you want to purchase some of these arcade tokens. I think we've got enough cool things going on that that it, it's it won't be too hard for us to to create something that's that's attractive for people to get uh, involved in. We just need need help kind of figuring out what some of the details uh, are going to be. So, Chris, where can people find out more about Arcade City? Uh, go to our website, arcade.city. Uh, we post a lot of updates on our Facebook page, so look up Arcade City on there. And uh, you're going to start to see us more active uh, in the uh, various Ethereum Reddits as we're looking to kind of solicit feedback from the Ethereum community. Thanks, Chris, and thanks for listening. Show notes, credits, and links can be found at letstalkbitcoin.com and soon on etherreview.info. If you're on Twitter, at EtherReview, email contact at etherreview.info. I could go on forever, but I'll give you just one more. The blockchain venture production studio Consensus has been good enough to employ me to produce media for them. One of our first initiatives is a general media site that collects and publishes the writings of their incredibly talented staff. There is a new podcast there too for you. Head on over to media.consensus, that's C-O-N-S-E-N-S-Y-S, .net to check that out. <laughs>